This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. just want to thank our pastor, Pastor Shola, for the tremendous honor and privilege he has given us in Deborah's courts to, to anchor the entire service. Pastor, we love you. We celebrate you. Thank you, sir. Thank you so, so very much. God bless you. And for entrusting us with the sacred mandate of sharing God's word this morning. Hallelujah. We do not take it for granted. Thank you, sir. And thank you, our precious sisters, the executives of Deborah's Court Church. Can we celebrate them? These women are doing mighty things. Our dear president, Sister Doing. And then this morning, I celebrate ever so specially our mama. A mighty, wonderful woman of God, a woman of great faith, a woman of intense prayer. We celebrate you. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for your labor of love. Thank you for all that you do. We see it and God sees it and he will reward and uphold you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma. Amen. Before we take our seats this morning, um, let's remain standing for the reading of the word. First Timothy chapter, no, sorry, second Timothy chapter one, verse five. 1 Timothy 1.5 When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first of all in your grandmother, Louis, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Amen. Let us please be seated. Hallelujah. So over this weekend, our team has been what? Reset. So to reset means really to start again and then 
So to reset means to start again and then to start differently most times. There's a definition that I wrote down because um, it's a kind of technical definition. And it says in a computer or in a data transmission system, a reset clears away any pending errors or events and it brings a system to a normal condition. So did we get that? When you reset something, it clears away whatever things might have been there that have been an error and then it brings it to a normal functioning. So when we talk about a reset, it means that there has been a movement, it means that there has been a pattern, an incident or a way of life that has to come to an end for something else and something different to start up. Hallelujah. Just like Jesus said, he said, except a grain of wheat does what? Falls to the ground and dies. It abides alone. So the grain of wheat might have had a life as a single grain of wheat until it gets to that point where it realizes that there is more inside of it than just being a grain of wheat until it realizes that, look, I am tired of living as a grain of wheat. I have tremendous potential to become a cob that is a full cup of corn. I have a tremendous potential to become, in fact, a full farm. When he takes that decision, he gets to the place where he dies so that he can resurrect to a new life. And when it resurrects, does it resurrect as a single grain? No, no, it doesn't. It's never the same. So now it has come to a moment where it has um, what I would like to call a Selah moment. We see this word severally in the book of Psalms, and it just simply means to pause and consider, to stop, to reflect, to think about how we have lived, to think about the way we have been, to think about how there is so much more inside of us than what we are currently experiencing right now. Hallelujah. So we see in the book of Mark chapter 1, verse 35, that early in the morning, Jesus rose up and he went to a separate place all by himself to pray. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Hallelujah. And in some translations, we see that he went to pray as his custom was, meaning that it wasn't something that was a one-off thing. It wasn't something that he did perchance, but it was something that he did continually. And then we see that in John 5:19, Jesus says that, the son does nothing of himself, but whatever he sees the father do, that is what the son does. And then when I read it, I was wondering, does that mean that when Jesus was on earth, you know, he had, he was just looking directly in, into heaven and whatever he was seeing God do, that was what he was doing. To make that assumption is not, it's not exactly far-fetched because when Jesus was on earth, he was fully God and he was fully man. But I seriously and strongly believe that it was in these moments of awareness in these moments of separation in these his cellar moments when he went aside to pray he saw what god was doing and those were the things that he did throughout the day now what he said in john 5 19 he says but whatsoever he seeth the father do these things the son doeth likewise so we see that there is a present continuous tense. It is an action that is ongoing. And in this verse, we don't only see Jesus the Father, we don't only see Jesus the Son and God the Father, but we see something else. We see a pattern, a pattern that reflects that parenthood is important. Because whatsoever the child 
sees the father doing so he does hallelujah so god is going in a certain way jesus is seeing him and he's going that way so parenthood matters fatherhood matters can we say fatherhood matters motherhood matters we see that in child upbringing more is caught than is actually taught so in order to lead the way we actually need to be going the way can i get an amen hallelujah so on wednesday pastor joshua made a comment he was teaching and he he asked a question he said what are you building your life on so i'm going to ask my own question this morning i'm not asking what are you building your life on i'm asking are you building a life are you building your life at all or are you living by random you know events and chances and hoping that somehow they would tie up and just become the great life that maybe in your childhood you desired is that what we're doing or are we intentional about building our lives hallelujah so in our text this morning excuse me we see a very simple yet powerful scripture it talks about a faith that was in grandmother lewis was in mama eunice and eventually was in bishop timothy now when i read that verse i i had to read it again and i looked at it a second time because in that verse it didn't talk about um, timothy's father he said the faith was in his grandmother in his mother and now was in him so this gives hope to anybody who is raising a child in the absence of a believing spouse now timothy's father the bible talks about him he said he was a gentile we don't know if he was a christian so hope is not lost if you say oh, okay i'm the i'm the only believer you know my spouse either my husband or my wife does not believe how do i have a faith that is transgenerational we see an example here this morning the faith that was in grandma lewis and was in mama eunice eventually grew and blew and blossomed and became the faith that was in Bishop Timothy. Hallelujah. So this kind of faith does not just happen randomly. It doesn't. Now there's a promise of God to this effect. I think it's in Deuteronomy 7, 9. God says that he keeps his promises of love to a thousand generations of them that love him and keep his commandment. This is a promise that you can hold on to and say, God, I, I'm asking you, not just for myself, but for my children. Now, when I say children this morning, I'm not talking about just the children that have been birthed from our biological loins. I'm talking about everyone that God has placed in our path so that through the faith that is in us, everything that God has planted in their lives will find expression. Hallelujah. We see in the book of, um, I think, Galatians 4.19, Paul here was speaking. And we know that the apostle Paul was never married. But here he spoke both with the authority and the compassion of a parent. What did he say? He said, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Hallelujah. These children were not children born by Paul biologically, but they were people with whom Paul, with whom God had placed in the in the sphere of influence of paul so that the purpose of god in their lives will find expression hallelujah so this morning i'll be speaking with us about a transgenerational faith so how do we have a faith 
that outlives us and then goes on to the next generation. One, the faith that will outlive us must be genuine. Acts chapter 5 verses 38 to 39. Excuse me. <coughs> we see here when Gamaliel, Gamaliel was, um, if we read the entire story, the disciples had been harassed, they were arrested, they were even put in jail. But the angel of the Lord came and he set them free. And then the council sat together and they were trying to think about what to do about the apostles. And then Gamaliel stood up and said, you know, a few years back we had the same scenario. We had two men, Thaddeus and Judas, not Iscariot, that came and gathered a group of people. And Gamaliel said that these people, as soon as their leaders died, they were dispersed. He said, because it was not a movement from God. He now said, but whatever is of God is going to last. Amen. So if our faith is going to outlive us, first of all, it has to be genuine. It has to be a faith that is real, that is planted on the word of God. It has to be a faith that is sincere. It, it, it's not a kind of faith, in quotes, that is born when in our moment of reflection we see that oh okay i have lived a life of sin i've lived a life that is not pleasing to god and then we feel bad and we feel sorrowful and it ends there no apostle paul talks about a godly sorrow that leads to repentance so the kind of reflection that we have does not end at introspection but it ends us at the feet of jesus where we cry out and say god i need you to help me i need you to birth on the inside of me a faith that is genuine a faith that will outlive me a faith that i can live and live l-i-v-e and l-e-a-v-e -E. hallelujah so the kind of faith that will be transgenerational will be a faith that is consistent we see in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Timothy 3:10. Okay, here Paul was talking to Timothy and he said, you, you know my faith, you know my doctrine, you know my manner of life. That's you know how I live, you know my purpose, you know my faith, my long suffering, my charity, my patience. That's Timothy had spent some time with Paul, and Paul was bold enough to say, You know me. You know how I live. You know that what I teach are the things that I do. The kind of faith that will outlive us, the kind of faith that will be transgenerational must be consistent. It is the kind of faith where there is no difference between our spiritual life and our secular life. It is the kind of faith that is instant, in season and out of season. It is the kind of faith that finds expression in every area of our lives. I remember a few weeks back, Pastor Shola asked us to look at our hands and then to pray. And he said, these hands are the hands of Jesus. And it was an exciting thing because we're going to lay hands on ourselves and pray and receive healing but you see those hands are not just for healing but those hands belong to Jesus as the rest of us does so if our hands belong to Jesus what kind of documents do our hands sign hallelujah the kind of faith that is consistent is the kind of faith that the way we speak with our brethren in church is the same way we speak about our brethren in our homes in our cars on our way home from church it is consistent. It is a kind of consistency that will birth a faith in the heart of a child that he can say, that which I have heard, that which I have seen, that which my hands have handled of the word of life. It is a kind of faith that will make a child through the storms of life say that, no, I know him in whom I have believed. Hallelujah. So indulge me a little. This is Mother's Day. I will be giving us one or two stories um, about children. Amen. 
So I'll say this very quickly. Um, a couple of years back, we watched this movie series, The Chronicles of Narnia, at home. And then after that, one of my daughters kept saying that, oh, mommy, I can see lions. There's a lion in this house. There's a lion in this house. I said, girl, there's no lion in this house. The only lion here is the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, but she kept saying, I can see a lion. And I said, okay, you know what? The next time you see a lion in the hallway, say, go away in Jesus' name. So I just kept on doing what I was doing. And then I heard her saying, go away in Jesus' name. She said it a couple of times. So I called her and I said, can you still see the lion? She said, oh, no, I can't see it anymore. Ah, hey, hey. I said, faith 101. So I decided to build on that. And I said, yes, you see, the name of Jesus is powerful. Good. I said, so you see, you're stronger than a lion. <laughs> so she looked at me. She said, mommy, have you seen a lion? <laughs> a lion used to say, "Raw." Maybe I'm stronger than a cat. So I, I sat back and I thought about it. And I said, really, this is how people get into error. Because our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is not in our strength. Yes, we can do all things. But we can only do all things through Christ. Our faith is not in our education. We know that, yes, we are going to raise godly children yes in 40 years we'll be standing strong yes when jesus comes he will meet us as a church prepared but it is never in ourselves it is never in our education it is never in our spiritual exercise it is never in the people we know it is never in the number of years we have spent in the faith i mean if you live long enough you can see things that you never imagine happen in places you never expected so you know that it is not of him that will it it is not of him that run it it is of god that showeth mercy so our faith should rest in Jesus, in all that he is, in all that he has done. Jesus should be where our faith begins and he should indeed be where it ends. Hallelujah. So because our faith is never in our social status, it's never in any other thing, we should rest confident in God's love and in all that he has made us. Let us read Romans chapter 12 verse 3. Romans 12 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. Hallelujah. So God has given to each and every one of us the measure of faith. It means that there is a measure of faith that God has given to me. There's a measure of faith that God has given to you. There's a measure of faith that God has given to the person beside you. Amen. So our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is in that which God has placed inside of us. And so like I said, indulge me a bit. I'll tell another story. So I have um, another daughter who, no matter what it is that I bring to the house, no matter, I mean absolutely no matter, she would notice it. And she would always have something really nice to say about it. So a certain day I bought a bed sheet and then when I lay it, I looked at it and I was like, ah. Did they blindfold me when I bought these bed sheets? It was, it was awful, actually. So I, I sat back. I was looking at it and thinking, okay, maybe if I put a throw pillow, I don't even know. So she walks in. So I smiled. She says, oh, mommy, you got a new bed sheet. I said, yes. She said, Ugh. So I said, do you like it? She said, Ugh. So I just asked her directly, is it beautiful? She says, ah, mommy. It's, it's a different kind of beautiful. I said, eh, I wasn't born this morning. I said, what kind of beautiful exactly is it? She said, mommy, 
it's its own kind of beautiful. She now walked away. So I sat back and I thought about it. And I said, sincerely and truly, we are all different kinds of beautiful. If we look around here today, we see different shades of pink. We see bubblegum pink. We see rose gold pink. We see electric pink. All shades of pink, all shades of beautiful, all shades of glory. Because the Bible says there's one glory of the moon, there's one glory of the sun, there's one glory of the stars. And why is this so? Because there is one function of the sun, and there's a different function of the moon, and there's a different function of the stars. And if we go back to basic elementary science, we know that the sun gives us light, provides us heat, photosynthesis. We know that the moon regulates our human physiology so that we can sleep in the night. We know that the stars guide the traveler in the dark, for he could not see which way to go if he did not what? Twinkle so. Ah, we didn't go to Montessori. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we are all shades of beautiful. We are all shades of glory. And that is why the Apostle Paul says that it absolutely makes no sense. In fact, he used a very strong word. He said, when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, we are what? Not wise. Because if I begin to look at the expression of God's faith, the faith that God has given all of us so in Romans 12, 3, and the expression in the life of Sister Victoria, and I start trying to live out the expression of that faith, I deny the expression of the faith that God has given me, and there is no way it can outlive, because the expression of the faith will not find expression. Hallelujah. So the Bible tells us, in the book of um, second peter 1 3 is that god has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness the question this morning is have you received it has it found expression in your life i'll be rounding up with this story very quickly i was reading last week the story of abraham's father terra and how he started out from the land of the awe of the chaldeans and for some reason he was going to canaan and I don't know why he was going to Canaan. I do not know if God asked him to go to Canaan. But along the line, he lost his son. And the name of his son was Haran. H-A-R-A-N. But on his way out of all of the Chaldeans, the Bible tells us that he settled on the outskirts of the land of all of the Mesopotamians. That wasn't the striking thing. The striking thing for me was that the name of the place that he settled was Haran. H-A-R-R-A-N. And I started to think, was there something about Haran that reminded him of his son, Haran, that he had lost? And I started thinking, is there sometimes on our way to where God has called us to, on our way to Canaan, where we just stay in our comfort zone because somehow the familiar feels safe. Somehow it is safer to stay what we, where we have always known. It's safer to hold on to our past. It's safer to hold on to our pain. It's difficult to let go. But the Bible says that except the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. It means that the transition for reset is incomplete. If the grain of wheat does not fall to the ground and die, if it does not let go of the past, because Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I do a new thing. Now would you not see it? It says that we need to forget the things that are behind so that we can see the things that are ahead. And people of God, I know this firsthand because for me, for over 20 years, I had my haran. And you know, my initial heron was my health. And you know, when I, 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 
I had so many diagnoses, it's almost incredible. In fact, if I read the list, you would wonder if it's true. But beloved, it is true. I had a diagnosis of lupus, ulcerative colitis, multiple arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, partial amnesia, and then all the ITs that were associated with all the drugs that I was taking. And then I had settled in Haran because the Haran for me there was, you know, the kind of life that the doctors had said, oh, okay, you'd have to live in a certain way. You'd have to do a certain thing, you know. So I had defined my life by all of those diagnoses. You know, and the doctor said, oh, okay, if you take these drugs, there is a possibility you might go into remission and then you might live a couple of years. And I started thinking, I was taking these drugs. There are some drugs I was taking every four hours just to stay alive for over 20 years. And then instead of going into remission, <laughs> so like the disease was trying to remit me to another life. So I had to stand and say no. You know, that was my seller moment, and that was my moment of reset. Because right there in Haran, I caught a glimpse of Canaan. Hallelujah. And Isaiah 53 told me, and it says that surely he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The punishment that brought me peace was laid upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. And I stand here this morning saved, delivered, and healed because I will not settle in Haran. I will not settle in the familiar. I will not settle in the comfort of the way that life was trying to define me. I will not feel myself into the mold of this world. I said, no, God, there is a word. What is written about me in the volume of your book? I press for the mark toward the price of the high calling of God. And I praise the Lord this morning. He has set me free and he will set you free this morning. Rise up on your feet, people of God. Hallelujah. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is here to set you free. The Lord is here to save, to heal, and to deliver. If you would re reach out to Him in faith, He will touch you. If you would reach out to Him, He will touch you. He will heal you and He will deliver you. And He will put your life back together. He will heal you in every place that you hurt. And He will even heal you in places you did not know were broken. Hallelujah. The potter wants to put you back together again. I'm going to sing a song and I want us to just where you are, you know where you need the potter to put you together again. Just lift up your voice and begin to talk to him because he's here. The angels of the Lord are in this place and they are delivering healings, they're delivering miracles. If you have fallen by the wayside of life, Dreams and visions shattered. If you were broken inside, you don't have to stay in the shape that you're in. Cause the part of wants to put you back together again. Yes, the part of wants.
victory of the cross. We decree the victory of the blood of Jesus over every life in this place. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Our God is good. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you, are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, and from today I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late, you are born again, you are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you. We love you. Stay blessed.